Welcome into the pylon. Pro Bowl week, everybody. So, wow, exciting. Yeah, I know. It, it's just fantastic. I'm your host, Michael Markoch, alongside me, Mini Patel, Jay DeCoster. Still no one knows us. Maybe one day we'll have an Someday. appearance from him. He's a very busy guy. He's got a lot of things on his plate, as we all do. But, you know, we'll move on. It's only Pro Bowl week, like we said. Who really cares about the Pro Bowl? Uh, but to start, let's just look at last week just a little bit, real quick. The Bengals and the Rams win the games. They're advancing to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. Uh, the Bengals' third appearance in the Super Bowl. Rams, their third appearance since 2000. I mean, cra- crazy that we get to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1989. I'm Look, I don't think this is what the NFL really wanted, but I am really excited for this game. I think Joe Burrow, what he's done with this Bengals team, and then the Rams living up to the hype, you know, coming into the season, going all in. Acquiring Von Miller at the trade deadline and then acquiring Matthew Stafford before the season and be able to get to this point, impressive. But the Bengals, the biggest shocker of the NFL season, I don't think it's even close. I mean, what what did they go, like 4-11-1 last year? Was that correct? Yeah, with no Joe Burrow. Yeah, with no – I mean, Joe Burrow, he, he – They were 4-12. They were, they were yeah, 4-12, something like that. But, you know, what they've been able to do is just it's awesome. And Joe Burrow taking his this team to the next level just – very impressive, so, yeah. Yeah, um, go Matthew Stafford. Um, happy to see him in the Super Bowl. Bengals, really impressive season. I think that, um, you know, they had a lot of questions going into the year, and obviously they answered every single one of them, and then some. Well, um, I'd say there's still one that hasn't been answered yet. But that's for that's for the offseason to figure. Yeah, out. I mean they'll yeah, figure that the offensive out. Line. They, they obviously know that's the issue, and they will fix it. Well, I know, but and... I'm saying they definitely haven't solved it or answered it in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I think you know before the season, nobody expected Jamar Chase to be this good. Jamar Chase was I did. labeled a bust going into the season because everyone. Oh thought, yeah, the, the preseason. Oh, this guy's a boss. He's dropping every yeah. pass. I'll tell you this: last year on the pylon when we were doing draft stuff, uh, everybody was talking about. Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith. And they were like, Devontae Smith is better than Jamar Chase. And I laughed. Oh, shit. And I said, there's no, no way, way you just said that. And I Going said, Going into the draft. I said, you guys are forgetting how good he was because he took the year off. And then Devontae Smith wins the Heisman and he looks incredible. I'm like, look, Devontae Smith's a very good receiver, but he ain't no Jamar Chase. I'm like, I guarantee you, Jamar Chase will be the best receiver coming out of this class. And he he's got not a even chance. be the best receiver on his team. There... Oh, yeah. No question. There's no and... question, but he's. He's also, I think, Jamar Chase in a couple years is, I think, possibly next year he's going to be the best wide receiver in the entire NFL. Before the, going into the draft, I said, or when the Bengals made their pick, I said they should should have taken Panay Sewell because they had to adjust the offensive line. And I was like, what are the Bengals doing here? And, you know, I was wrong because I didn't expect Jamar Chase to be this good. I mean, what he's been able to do in his first season, you know, having over, I think it was like 1,500 yards, um, and just his speed is just super noticeable and I yeah I, I didn't expect I didn't expect this out of him so I think it's I think it's amazing what they've been able to do and it's also, especially on the defensive side being able to acquire Trey Hendrickson from the Saints and you know having Jesse Bates and Von Bell at the safety positions um yeah I think I think their defense is very improved and obviously Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase leading in the Super Bowl is you know the headlines so um I'm a fan of their defense I like yeah I like their safety core going into the season. I was a really big fan of Jesse Bates. Yeah. Um, and I thought their defense really came on towards the end when they needed to. Um, Trey Hendrickson was 
probably a top five pickup of the offseason. Yeah, they have um, DJ Reader. Yeah, they, DJ they got Reader a couple too. years ago. They made a they've made a couple of questionable looking signings in the offseason that have really panned out well for them. Mm-hmm. Um my time will tell for long term return, but year one it looks really good and it looks like they did a good job. Um also Zach Taylor. I wouldn't say he's been the best through all of this. Obviously, better coaching would have made them look better, but he has improved from last season, and mm-hmm. I think he is only due to improve with the offense. Yep. There are some there are some questionable decisions he's had throughout the season. I've kind of saying, "What are you doing?" But obviously, he's he's proved us wrong. He's taking yeah, his team to the Super Bowl. Now. So yeah, yeah. The one issue that I would have with them in this game, and again, we're gonna do an entire preview on Super Bowl 56 next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. I mean, we're going to break down everything. We're going to talk about both teams in depth, any of the storylines going into the week, prop bets, the picks, everything. We're, we got everything next week. But just as for this game, I, I see, you know, the Rams are bringing the best defensive line the Bengals are going to see all season. You're going to have Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. I mean, that should I go on? But at the same time, like, I think if they were to employ the Titan strategy of just basically just sending the heat on Joe Burrow almost every single play. Mm-hmm. They have the coverage. Jalen Ramsey, I believe, can cover Jamar Chase for about two seconds. If you just send the heat at Joe Burrow, put him under a lot of pressure, their offense is better than Tennessee's and would be able to put up points to win the game. I think that's the Rams' path to victory. I hope Raheem Morris, you know, kind of goes with that strategy because if he just sits back and lets Joe Burrow pick him apart, the Rams are going to lose this game by three touchdowns. But if he puts pressure on Joe Burrow and makes him get the ball out quick and Jalen Ramsey can do his thing on Jamar Chase, I think they'll be okay. Um, you, think, you think if they got into a shootout, the Rams would lose by three touchdowns? I think if they let Joe Burrow just sit back in the pocket all night long, I think the Bengals win by a lot. Regardless of what the Rams offense does? I don't really believe in the Rams offense all that much. Yeah, you haven't. All year. And I still don't. The NFC Championship game didn't really change my opinion yet. They made a fourth quarter comeback, and it was cool. It was nice. Nice to see them do it. I'm happy for them and all that. But to be honest, it didn't impress. Where were you in the first three quarters? Where were you? Their their offense is so inconsistent, and now we're not even going to know what Higby is going to be like. Yeah, I just think for – yeah, I mean – It's just inconsistent to me. I, I trust the Bengals' offense a lot more than I trust the Rams' offense. Yeah, the Rams' offense is a little inconsistent. I, I think I agree with you there. I just think – their defense can hold hold all four quarters, and that's why they're at this point. I mean, when you have when you have Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and <clears throat> Jalen Ramsey on your on the other side, they're going to keep you in ball games. And then on the offensive side, <clears throat> I do think if you're more, I think I, I think if they're really consistent in the Super Bowl, I think they honest to be honest, I think they can win in a route. So, but I I, I could see both teams winning in dominating fashion. But here's what I'll say. If the Rams are to win in dominating fashion, it's going to be because of their defense. If the Bengals are going to do it, it's going to be because of their offense and because the Rams' mm-hmm. defense isn't taking the right approach. That's the only way. I don't see the Rams' offense just hanging like a 40-piece on the Bengals. It's not going to happen. Um, and it's not just, again, I don't love the Cincinnati defense as much as a lot of people. I think they've shown up in really big moments this season. But the Bengals' defense does struggle in the first half of games. They just they don't get out of the gates very fast. And you saw it against the Chiefs both times they've played them this year. And, you know, but they played really well in the second half to come back and win the game. So, you know, I think for the Rams, defense is going to be key in this game. But like I said, I just don't trust their offense a whole bunch. Um, 
but they could prove me wrong. I just I just think they're a little too Cooper Cup reliant. They don't run the ball enough for my liking. You have to be more balanced in this league. You just do. It was able it was enough to get past San Francisco, whose offense shut down in the second half. But other than that, I think it should be a fantastic game. Yeah, and uh, I completely agree. And my San Francisco pick look up seventeen to seven. Like your offense just completely like like you said, Kyle Shanahan goes away. Shut shut down. They did what they did in the Super Bowl two years ago. You're up. Or they up ten? Dude, did he go for it on that fourth and two and a half? I I don't know what I don't know what's wrong with Kyle Shanahan in these games. This is the third. This is the third time. This is the third time Kyle Shanahan has done this in the the Super Bowl against New England when he was the OC for Atlanta. Uh, the Super Bowl against Kansas City, and now, basically now, you're up, you're up 17-7 in the fourth quarter, and your offense does absolutely nothing. You go you go conservative, and I mean, I get, I get it, Jimmy G's not the best, but, like, I mean, you should have been able to close out the game by running the ball more effectively. Um, and, I, and I understand it's the Rams' defense, but, you know, they they just, they let their foot off the gas in the fourth. That was, that was There's nuts. There's no reason to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I, we were going to talk about this a little later, but I guess we'll move it up. We'll just do it right now. Let's just recap kind of some of the games from any of the teams, whether you want to talk. We talked Bengals and Rams a little bit, but if you want to go back, talk about the Chiefs. We've been talking about the Niners. You know, just some of your observations from those games that stood out to you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I said it already, but, you know, just the 49ers letting their foot off the gas and the Rams being able to come back with their defense and Jimmy G – uh, the the last possession, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to commit a game winning drive didn't really work out so well. He committed a little Carson Wentz pass at the end there. That was that was kind of funny to be honest. <laughs> and then the AFC Championship, I mean, super entertaining. Uh, it's great to see Joe Burrow in his second year ago in the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, I mean that's really it to be honest. It's and the ant. I feel like the Andy Reid. Clock management starting to come back at him, or th- not the clock management, the game management. At the end of the first half, it's giving me yeah. Alex Smith Chiefs vibes. Yeah, I mean, I feel Alex like Andy Reid pulled up Andy Reid moment in the playoffs, yeah. which he, he hasn't done a, in a long time. But they, with, with the in, in the Alex Smith days, where you know you're up, what were you up like twenty one ten, and you decide to go for the touchdown instead of kick the field goal, and you don't get any points. Like that was a little that was a little weird to me. I don't know. So, they, I feel think? like they have to address running back this offseason. They, like, it's an issue. Clyde is not that guy. Like, Clyde is not going to be Clyde Edwards Larry, he's a decent player. He's, um, he's more of a two. Yeah. A, he's more of a change of pace option, honestly. I think if – I know that Brown's extended Kareem, but yep. Kareem would have been a perfect fit to come back. I don't think they would take him back. Yeah, after that incident, uh, that's, yeah. that's a little uh, – That's one of those things. But, and look, and I love Kareem Hunt, and I think – he everyone deserves a second chance, and he really has taken advantage of his. I don't think he would get one in Kansas City. This is fair. This is fair. That's the only place I don't think he would get one. I think it would be fun to see the Chiefs be a little aggressive and move for Kenneth Walker. Um, yeah, that's that's I not a bad that's not a bad choice in the draft. But he yeah, would I mean, be that's, perfect. That's not a bad choice. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, first round pick. I believe he's thirty first overall selection. Yeah, I, I would say he's not really lived up to what. He's he should have been. Um, I feel like if he had that extra year of development where yeah. he had sat behind, um, who was it? Who got hurt going into the last season? He wasn't the RB one going into the last season. It might have been Ware. Spencer Ware. No, 
It was. It was. It might have been Damian Williams. Williams. Charverius Ward. No, it was. No, that's the corner. What am yeah. I thinking? No, it's the other. <laughs> I think his his name was a really long one. I think it almost was Charverius. Yeah. But I don't think it, it, it wasn't Ward. But it was. It like, was. But they like he was set up to be the RB two. Yeah. And I think a year of development, learning that offense before he got forced into it, would have been much better for his development. Um. But now they can't use him. Like he's just not effective. In. He's not on the field long enough yeah. either. He missed half the season. Yeah. What I will say from that game, my biggest takeaway is Patrick Mahomes. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, we talk about this guy as, you know, the best quarterback in the league, which is probably accurate. We talk about this guy as possibly one of the greatest talents at the position we've seen of all time. And yet, that was, I believe, the worst loss of his career. You're up 21-3. to and then you only score three points the rest of the game. Yeah. And that you score on your first three drives, he was like 13 of 15 for like 200-something yards and like three touchdowns. It was like, dude, he was in vintage Mahomes style. Like at that point, I was like, dude, this game's over. Like this is Mahomes in the AFC title game. You're not doing this. And then they fell apart. And I don't – the call at half, a lot of people are going to suck. I don't hate it. To me, three doesn't really help you much there. In that situation, and I understand, yeah, they lost by three or whatever. But, like, at the same time, I don't know if three really helps them there. You're on the two-yard line. You should have been able to get it. You called an absolutely horrible play. Um, I think Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey was the person you needed to go to there, but I think he just needed to throw it into the end zone or let Mahomes kind of run around and create and then maybe scramble it in himself from two yards out. So I didn't hate the decision. I didn't like the play call. But, like, in the second half, like, early on in the season when the Chiefs were struggling – we pointed it out, and we said that Mahomes was struggling with his mechanics. He wasn't – his feet were off. He was trying to force things. That's exactly the Patrick Mahomes we saw in the second half. That's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to do too much. His mechanics were fried. Everything was off. And I don't – I'm not going to just sit here and give him a pass for that. I'm not just going to skate over it and say, oh, you know, you're Patrick Mahomes. You're going to be okay. Like, that was the worst loss of his career. The fact to blow that game in which the manner in which he did – I, I put that a lot more on Mahomes than Andy Reid because Mahomes has to make plays in that situation, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mahomes was he, – he really struggled in that second half, Michael. I mean, I think a lot of the decisions he made, like that last play of the game, he almost lost the ball – or he actually did lose the ball, and they and the Bengals were a recovery away from advancing without without overtime. I, he, I mean, he had made a ton of mistakes in that game. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just think – the way the Bengals were able to come back in that second half was in that defense, the way that I will shut down Mahomes in that second half that the Bills weren't able to do was really impressive. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think he did slow down in the second half. It wasn't great. Um, I completely agree with that. It was reminiscent of the beginning of the season and another reason why I think the Chiefs need another weapon. Um, Here's the problem. I'm Where are you going to get it? Mahomes is about to be paid fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Have, they're not going to have, have that cap space because, unless they draft someone. Because here's the other issue: Drake they're, London, they're going to the city. Yeah, Perfect. Drake London. I forgot. About that. Hey, not unless he goes to Cleveland at thirteen. What I will say <laughs> that early, I don't think there's he talk will because he of might, that, I, that injury. I the Browns and, are going receiver in the first well, round. Yeah, and I've heard they really like Drake London a lot. But I think if Garrett Wilson's there, which is a good chance he will be, if Garrett Wilson's there, I guarantee the Browns go with him. But, well, again, we'll talk about the draft later. But 
I I don't know where they're going to get it though because you're paying Mahomes like fifty million dollars next season. Plus Kelsey got his contract. Tyreek Hill is under his contract. They're both making quite a bit of money. Like you don't have the cap space for this right now. You have money invested into your offensive line. You have money invested onto your defense with Chris Jones and Tyran Matthew. Like how are you supposed to pay for these weapons? That's the issue that the Chiefs are going to run into here. And I'm not saying that Mahomes isn't worth the money because he absolutely is. But these are the decisions that you have to make when you're going to pay your quarterback $50 million a year. There is a salary cap. You only have so much money to go around. So you're going to have to find weapons for cheap. You're right, probably through the draft. And do you're going to have a team full of Meikle Hardmans and Byron Pringles. I don't know how much longer Tyreek Hill's going to hang around either because he's probably going to want his money. How much does he make? He's probably making I'll look it up. a lot. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, the, with, the, with the amount of money Mahomes... How much? Three years, 54. And when did he sign that, though? He, he signed is, it. Yeah. It's his last year. This year? No, he's year. not a free agent this, this year. year. It's it's next, next year. Season. So after next season, it's the last year of his contract. Yeah, exactly. And he's being paid three years, 54. Quick math. That's almost $16, $17 million a year. 17-ish. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to pay him that now because of Mahomes' contract kicking in next year. So And Kelsey's making a lot of money, too. So... It's just one of those things. Eventually, you're going to have to make some choices on the offensive side of the ball, and you're going to have to have cheap weapons around him, and we're going to actually see what Patrick Mahomes is made of because he's not going to be able to throw to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey every week because they're guess what? They're not going to be there because they can't afford them. They're going to put him in a Josh Allen situation, and he's going to have to prove himself. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, though. It, it, to me, it's fascinating what's going on with the Chiefs because everyone just thinks the Chiefs are just going to be running through the league. And here's the thing, guys. They're not the band ain't staying together for very long. It they maybe have a couple more years left in them. Again, as long as Tyreek Hill's contract, Travis Kelsey's under contract for a few more years. But those guys are gonna want to go get their money first and foremost. And if you're paying your quarterback fifty million dollars, again, he's worth that amount of money. You're gonna have to make some decisions on the offensive side of the ball to save some cash. It's just that simple. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, yeah, I, I think you hit all, all points there. I just think. Mahomes' contract is is going to force the Chiefs to make some tough decisions that Brett Veach and company are going to have to figure out. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some talking points before we get into our season recap and talk about some of the other teams who have not really are not still playing. But we're going to start with some news here. Brian Flores, former coach of the Miami Dolphins and former defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, has sued the NFL in a massive lawsuit claiming racial discrimination in recent interviews and the coaching process as a whole over the last few years. Hugh Jackson and other former coaches have chimed in as well with their thoughts on the situation, whether they are true or not. But first of all, just thoughts on the Brian Flores' point and his lawsuit. I'm glad he's doing it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, you're seeing around the league that Mike Tomlin... I think it's Mike Tomlin right now is the only black head coach. He is. And, you know, that's an issue. Um, and, you know, Brian Flores, you know, and we, we saw the text from Bill Belichick saying, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, I effed up. Um, it's actually Brian Dable. Like you're seeing, you, know, you can see around the league that there there is an issue around here. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's something that's going to have to be solved in, in the near future here. So I don't, I mean, what are your thoughts, Manit? I... I think that it's a lot more deeper rooted than just the head coaching thing. I think it shines a light on how bad the Rooney rule is 
and how ineffective it actually is in promoting diversity. Um, I think it's showing a true issue in like where the NFL is currently amongst like the leagues and diversity. And um, I also think it's showing that they need to start, they need to like really start things over in terms of where they're at Mm -hmm. in diversity. And I think this case is going to be a lot, it's going to open a lot up um, from what I've heard about Hugh Jackson, I think whatever he provides could open things up as well. Other coaches who have also chimed in could open things up as well. Um, but I think the biggest issue is that they're forcing tr- diversity at the wrong levels. Um, they should not be forcing it at the highest levels. That You should be forcing it yeah. on to lower level assistant mm-hmm. jobs where you can truly build these diverse assistant staffs up mm-hmm. and then they're truly ready for an assistant coach job. Like what? Honestly, Patrick Graham did a good job with the Giants defense this year, but there was no reason for him to be getting interviews. Honestly, not what for a the, head coaching and job. see, but that's my, that's why he was yeah. forced into that position because of the Rooney rule. And there's no reason for him to ruin his candidacy this early mm-hmm. when he could be a good head coach someday and actually make something of it yeah. instead of forcing him into it after one mediocre season with a decent defense. I, I agree with that point, and to the thing, though, that I say, and I, I agree with you in the sense of I don't think that they should be required to necessarily interview the candidates because in some way, yeah, you're right, it, they're literally there to check off a box. But that's just reality. You knew that when you made the rule. And to me, that's that's the issue for me of, like, there are some guys who, like we said, yeah, Patrick Graham did a great job with the Giants this year. Doesn't mean he should be getting views for a head coaching job in the NFL. Everybody, whenever you fire a head coach, you usually have someone in mind that you want. And most of the, so far, the hires that we're seeing, most people have got, most teams have got their guys. And it's not, to me, there's some organizations that do it a lot better than others do. And you're seeing it at least, I mean, the front office, actually, we're moving in the right direction. We have a lot of minority GMs now. Yep. This year we had two <clears throat> black general managers hired in this cycle already, and there were only like four openings. So that's about half, and you already had a couple in place. Yeah, I you think they're doing a Miami, better job of promoting it. Miami, through. Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, and I think there's someone else, though. Detroit. Detroit has one. All these teams who have minority general managers, and you're seeing teams like the Browns and the Chiefs who are – hiring lower-level executives who are minorities and building them up to then get GM jobs someday. That's the right way to do things, and I agree with you. I think there needs to be something at the lower level. That's um, where the issue is. And that, you're, it, forcing, you're forcing all of these and candidates once again, into I will say, jobs. And like Flores. Flores wasn't even a defensive coordinator before he got hired. He was a linebacker's coach. Yeah. So, like, they really, like, I don't know. I Obviously, Flores turned out as a great coach. He did a lot with what he was given, yep. and obviously it looks like I mean, from what he has said, Stephen Ross was actively working against him to build a winning team. Yep. Um, so, like, given all of that, he sh- he did an amazing job. But I don't think that that's how they should be promoting diversity, is forcing underqualified or underdeveloped assistants into positions that they're not ready for mm-hmm. and then getting your guy a year later. The only thing that I think... Here's the thing. I don't know the solution. I don't think anyone at this table necessarily knows the solution. It's 
it's a very difficult thing it's a, it's to find a solution really for. open-ended and it's only going to get solved after this litigation yes. over and that's because and it's going to open up so much more what i think needs to happen is especially in like the case of brian flores if he's actually getting a real head coaching interview i think what the league's going to have to start doing and i actually got the suggestion from somebody else but i actually really liked it um but basically a league official basically like an hr representative from the NFL, will have to sit on an every coaching interview a team does. Coaching front front office. I don't like that. And you basically no, because you basically have to babysit them at this point. Because if That's, you're gonna, no, if you're going to show up hungover to an interview when you're interviewing a candidate, you're proving that you can't do this without supervision. So basically, you need to be supervising these teams this when they're is doing true, but to make sure everyone gets I, a fair shake. At I it. understand that, but the NFL is also at fault here. I'm it's not saying not just not. the teams. So the NFL bringing someone into this in their current state, would not do anything. It would just make silence more common. I don't think Flores would have spoken up if there was an NFL HR representative in any of those interviews. He wouldn't have felt comfortable enough to. There's someone from the NFL who's higher over you, watching down, looking at you, saying, I know what's going on regardless of what's happening, and we can come out with a statement within two hours of whatever you say to shut it down. Yeah, the NFL fully denied to, I know, but Brian Flores. To me, there's to me, there's no. There's it's it's not also it's not within only I, within the front office. I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you in that sense. But what I'm saying is, to me, yes. While the NFL is still at fault here, you are not going to see teams if you have a representative from the NFL who's being paid by the NFL to sit there and make sure that each candidate is getting basically the same interview, uh, the same the same fairness of an interview that the owners aren't showing up hungover and the general manager aren't showing up hungover to interviews and stuff like that. I think, yes, you're not going to see them do that. And at least they're going to get their fair shake at an interview. When Mike Tomlin was hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was a throw in interview. He, he wasn't originally supposed to interview. He, he just, he interviewed for the job and he blew them away that they felt no choice but to hire him. He wasn't their first choice. He wasn't even their second choice. He was just kind of a candidate that, Hey, you know, we want to talk to that guy. They talked to him, were blown away, and then they hired him. And that's how he got the job. And that's how a lot of coaches don't get the job anymore. Because like we said, it's everyone's, you're picking, you're taking your pick. You know your guy right when you fire your coach and you know who you want. And then you tend to get that guy. But at the same point, we're not allowing candidates to really shine and just let their work and let their persona do the talking. Like Mike Tomlin, we mentioned, is the only minority head coach right now in the end. Well, not minority because there's other like Ron mm-hmm. Rivera is technically a minority yeah. and he's he's in Robert Sala. <clears throat> but he's the only black head coach in the league right now. And that's how he got the job. He wasn't like the Steelers didn't say, "Oh, Mike Tomlin's our guy." He wasn't even really on their radar. They brought him in for an interview and they said he completely blew them away with his vision, with his just gravitas, they call it, and just the way he can lead men. And they felt they felt they had no choice but to hire him. Coaches aren't being allowed that opportunity right now in these interviews, which is why I'm saying you need to Find a way to give every candidate that comes in there a fair shake. That way they're getting the same interview as the dude who just interviewed before them. And I think if you put an NFL representative, like actual lawyers, people who do this for a living, who are neutral and impartial. If it was third party, not the NFL's. Fine. It doesn't have to be NFL, but you need to put a third party in there to make sure that's a fair shake. Yeah, fine. It doesn't have to be the NFL, but you need to put lawyers, third party people into these interviews to make sure everyone's getting a fair shake. And then... They have to know, the teams have to know that these representatives are obligated to report 
if they find something that's going on in terms of racial discrimination. And then guess what? If everyone has a fair shake in the interview and they still go with another guy, so what? Maybe you weren't the best guy. For, you, maybe you weren't the best fit. You weren't the guy that they thought blew them away the most. It's whatever the case is, but everyone's going to get the same shake in terms of the interview process. So yes, I agree. It doesn't have to be the NFL, but you need to bring in some sort of legal party that is impartial to the situation that can just sit in these interviews and make sure that everyone's getting a fair chance and getting the same interview and getting the same opportunity to show and display themselves to these front offices that they deserve this role. Yeah, I think you hit on the head right there. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we mentioned this, but, you know, the NFL has been trying to fix this in the GM area with when you get, I think with the Brown with the Browns when the Minnesota hired their GM from the Browns, you get two two third round, picks. Third round picks. So the NFL's been trying to Co- it's the same thing for coaching too. It for if sure. um so if yeah. you so if you have a minority candidate in your on your coaching staff, say that's like a running backs coach right now, and they work their way up to maybe your offensive coordinator, and then all of a sudden yeah. they get hired as a head coach, you get, you're gonna get picks as well. You get incentivized and, for developing. Look, I may be biased and I said this last week, but the Browns are one of the finest organizations in the league in terms of diversity and getting it right. They are one of the finest organizations in the NFL, and they have been somehow in these 20 years of misery, that 22 years of misery that the Browns have been going through, that is the one thing that they have gotten right. And it, it's hard to say anything else, except for maybe a couple hires here or there that it seemed were a little bit you know, predetermined. But other than that, I mean, they're one of the leaders in this as well as the Steelers and as well as teams like the I'd Chiefs. I'd say the Bears, too. The Bears, too. Hiring, hiring Ryan too. Poles and then having Lovey yep. Smith as your coach for, that long. I think it was like 10 years or something. You had Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. You had, you know, you have all these. There's some organizations that do it really well, and then there's other organizations who do it very, very poorly. But right. the teams who do it very poorly make the entire league look bad, even the ones who do it very well. Yep. So. I agree. So. Yeah. So speaking of hires, um, Let's move on to some of the positives here for guys who did get head coaching jobs. The Giants did officially get Brian Dable, as almost everyone thought was going to happen. The Raiders officially hired Josh McDaniels. The Vikings will be hiring Kevin O'Connell after the Super Bowl. That is also a done deal. And as for the Jaguars, came in very late last night. Actually, they had a very eventful day yesterday because Byron Leftwich took his name out of consideration for the Jaguars head coaching job. And then just a few hours later, they hired Doug Peterson as the Jaguars head coach. So, just out of these hires, again, we'll do a whole episode kind of breaking down all of the new hires, but what is your favorite hire out of these five or so? Uh, or four, I think. Right? I like, I I got to agree with you, Michael, before you, in the, in the pre-show meeting we talked about, I like Doug Peterson. I think Doug Peterson is a guy that can, because Carson Wentz did play well under him before the knee injury. And now you could see maybe Trevor Lawrence doing the same thing. And you see Trevor Lawrence on Twitter saying, it looks like he really likes the hire. So, I mean, you know, Twitter's Twitter. You could say what you want. But, <laughs> I mean, Doug Pierce, I think, can do really well with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and he did win a Super Bowl. So, you know, I do I do like it. So, you know, the, the ending with the Eagles wasn't great. You know, we could talk about him tanking at the end of the 2020 season and not getting along with Carson Wentz. But... I think it's just a fresh start for him, and I do like the way it's going for the Jaguars, but not Trent Baalke. But that's another that's another topic for another day. So, um, I really liked the McDaniel's hiring. Honestly, um, I think he'll do a good job there. I don't know how I think the Patriot way will do. 
Not a fan of it. I don't know if it's going to be the Patriot it, way. I've seen it firsthand, and it's been really, really, really here, bad. Here's what I don't think so, McDaniels is going to do it the Patriot way. I, I would hope not. I don't think he will. After seeing Patricia He's gonna do it his way. blatantly fail the first time. Well, that might have just been Matt Patricia, though. And Bob Quinn? Yeah, I mean, it might have just been Matt Patricia just completely failing to execute. I mean, Bob Quinn also just did yeah. a lot of bad decisions, so. It's the Lions. They always make a lot of bad decisions. Anyway, um, so a lot of teams. I was a fan of that hiring, and I also really liked um, the Bills picking up Joe Brady. Oh yeah, really? He's a, co- the Bills he's a quarterback. Picking coach up now. Joe Brady is they have Ken. Ken yeah. Dorsey is going to be the Ken OC. Dorsey is there's new and then OC. Joe Brady is the new quarterback. Joe Brady is the new quarterbacks coach, and I think that's going to be disgusting. Bills are going to Joe be Brady and jo- Josh Allen is going to be. I know Bengals fans fantastic. wanted him desperately. They want to get the band back together. Yeah. They were like, we. They actually were like, let's fire offensive coordinator so we can hire Joe Brady. I'm like, are you guys out of your mind? Like, no, don't do that. Callahan's doing a tremendous job there. But I like, yeah, like Jay, like you said, and I said it before the show. I think Doug Peterson is an absolute home run hire for Jacksonville. I think, um, you know, he was actually the first person that they they hired for the job or interviewed for the job, and. We kind of forgot about him that he even interviewed there, and then he kind of out of nowhere last night gets the job, and I just, I think for them it's a home run. It's a complete 180 out of what you just had last year with Urban Meyer. You bring a grown-up into the building, someone who knows what they're doing. He's won a Super Bowl, and, you know, I, I understand kind of the collapse of Carson Wentz and the reason that he left Philadelphia. I still don't think he ever should have been fired in Philadelphia. No, but at the same time, absolutely like not. I think for Jacksonville, this is an absolute home run of a hire. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to flourish. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence definitely sounds excited about it. Word was uh, Peterson and Lawrence had a pretty long phone call yesterday with each other where they were already talking about their future together and how excited they Good were to them. get started. I think that is the best thing the Jaguars could have possibly done. They, they go in the complete opposite direction of what they tried to do. And like I said, you're going to have a grown-up running things. And you can say anything you want about Trent Baalke. Doug Peterson's going to make sure that this is his football team. And I, I think sure? It, I yes. don't know about that. I think I Trent so. Baalke controlling personnel is still a very big, very clear issue. Um, and I think Peterson can get the job done eventually. Okay, but we'll it, will find not, me- it will not be done without hindering from Balky. I'm not saying that you don't necessarily need another GM change to fix it, but what I'm saying is for these next few years, you're not going to need a new coach. Yeah, This is your guy true. for a long for sure. time. I, I Like I said, I think it's an absolute home run hire in terms of his quarterback development, his offensive mind. I think this is really good for Trevor Lawrence, which is literally the only thing that this decision was about. It was about Trevor Lawrence. N- nothing else matters. The entire roster, for all I care, could go. It's not that good of a roster. Trevor Lawrence is your franchise. He is everything to you. You needed to make sure that you made sure this hire was good for him, and I think they did that. And other than that, I think, I mean, all the other hires are like, okay, like, you know. Yeah. Brian like, Dable, like, all right, you got to show it to me. Like, you can do this at the head coaching I mean, level. Dable's done a good job as OC. Yeah, he does. But you got to see if you can do it and at the head coaching that, that level. That Patricia moment was kind of weird. Um. Kevin O'Connell, I don't know much about him. Um, he's been in the coaching ranks for only a few years. Very similar to Zach Taylor uh, when he got hired by Cincinnati. But he's from the McVay tree, and you have two coaches from the McVay tree, including McVay, in the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, his tree right now is the best one in the NFL. They went from Jim Harbaugh to Kevin O'Connell, and Jim Harbaugh interviewed for nine hours 
didn't even get offered the job. I mean, how it's kind of crazy. Well, neither did Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> they Jim Harbaugh flew all the way to Minnesota to not even get an offer for the job. So yeah, but um, yeah. So there's some of the coaching hires. Again, we'll have an episode breaking down all these hires, including the ones that have already happened and the ones that are yet to come. There are still four openings in the <laughs> NFL. It is the Dolphins, the Texans, the Saints, and what's the last one? Somebody you said Houston. Houston, Dolphins. Miami. New They're Orleans. counting Minnesota as one still. Because oh, because they have officially had. So, yeah, there's only three openings left in the NFL: New Orleans, Miami, and Houston. Hopefully, we'll have those in a in a few weeks when we actually get to that episode breaking down the hires. But as for that, I think it's time to move on to the season recap, fellas. Yeah, I mean, God, you said favorite. Yeah. Favorite moments from the season. So, yeah, let's open this up. Just talk about some of our favorite moments of the season. Reminisce a little bit as, you know, only one game left in the year. It, it is the Super Bowl. But just some of our favorite moments from the season, no matter what they may be, just things that stuck out to you, that great games, great plays, great moments, just great things that you would just love to remember where you were. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I mean, the Bills-Chiefs playoff game was absolutely Fantastic. nuts. I mean that's probably my favorite game of the season. Uh, my favorite moment, to be honest with you, was the Justin Tucker sixty-six yard field goal. My my, it was up there for me too. Just in, it wasn't fun. I obviously it wasn't fun for you, Mini, but just in my like sense of like, I remember watching that game because I was watching the that was the week of the Browns Bears game, and that game ended pretty early, and then they took you right out to Detroit because it was like, oh, the Lions are like beating the Ravens and all this. And it was just like with Lamar completing the fourth and what was it? Fourth and 25, 21, 25, um, which right there, like Detroit, you run out of excuses if you give that up. But then, you know, then they don't call the delay of game. And then they like run out Justin Tucker for a 66 yard field goal that he banks in off the, the top of the crossbar. I mean, wildest ending to a game I have seen in a long, long time. It was like the revenge of the double doink. But it was just like off the crossbar and then bounces in, which you just never see happen. It's almost impossible to have a bounce like that. And Justin, just, Justin Tucker, best kicker of all time. Oh, like, uh, instant hall of no, no question about that. <laughs> um, the speak and speaking of that Bills Chiefs game, the the Tyree kill throwing up the deuces when the linebacker was in front of him. That was, was six. Just amazing. Then he got fined for it, but oh know, well, whatever. whatever. And the NFL marketed <laughs> the shit out of it like they always do. Yeah. Marketing taunting, but let's find our players. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, what about, what about you, mate? What's your favorite moment? Um, honestly, I really like that Tyree kill moment. Um, I liked. I gotta think. I liked the the Saints first game was pretty cool when they just came out and like shelled the Packers. Yeah, shelled the Packers out of yeah. nowhere. Like nobody expected that, and they just came out and. Gave it to him a little bit. Um, I think seeing Jimmy G go into Green Bay was fantastic. Um, after Aaron Rodgers said last time they played in San Francisco, give it up, give it to us at home with zero degrees in the snow and see what happens. And we saw what happened. Yeah. Um, I think another one, honorable mention, would have to be that Raiders-Ravens game, the week one. Week one? Oh, my God. Yeah. That game was tremendous. It really that was. was. Fantastic. He threw a yeah. lot of pass. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was Renfro, or I could be wrong. Zay Jones. Zay Jones, yeah. yeah and he okay. threw a lot of pass, and he was open. 
I remember and, when he threw that, I was like, Derek Carr, what are you doing? It was like, oh, wait, he's wide open. It was like, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was. Oh, there's just so many games that were nuts. I remember, because oh, I watch NFL Red Zone. I love NFL Red Zone. So I, I remember being home for a weekend and watching my dad. I think it was, uh, I think it was like week two mm-hmm. of the season. There was like four games in the late window, three games. That were, they all came down to field goals. Scott Hansen was going absolutely nuts because um, they had the – they had the triple box, and each game had a game-winning field goal in a span of like ten seconds. So, mm-hmm. I mean that that was that was one of the one of the craziest moments this on NFL Red Zone. I've Cincinnati seen. Green Bay. Let's, oh yeah, let's that was have nuts. all of our kickers miss every single field goal possible. Yeah, absolutely. to win the yeah, game. That was nuts. That was yeah. Fun. Um, I uh, game two hundred and seventy-two. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. That is the final game of the regular season. Oh that is the craziest game I have seen. I thought I had ever seen, and then I saw the Bills-Chiefs game in the playoffs. But 272 against the Raiders and the Chargers, that was just Well, absurd. the anticipation, I was like, okay, there's no, like, before the game, it's like, well, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, because this oh, we were talking about, yeah, they could intentionally tie and both make the playoffs. And then without trying, they act, they almost accidentally tied. It was unreal. And then... We find out after the game the Chargers were going, or the Raiders were going to take a knee, and they were going to just take the tie and let both teams into the playoffs. And then Brandon Staley calls a timeout, and then the Raiders are like, "Well, screw you, we're gonna go win the game." And I just, it, to me, it's just hilarious. And I just that game was so wild with the Chargers being down, however much they were down, and then to see Justin Herbert come all the way back, fight back, and. The last play of the game, throw a touchdown pass to Mike Williams that almost seems like a miracle. Then they need a two-point. They get the two-point. <laughs> and it it's just absolutely absurd. You could never have thought at that moment that the Chargers were going to lose that game. And then they still find a way to lose it. We have trading field goals in overtime. It's just absolutely remarkable. That game was incredible. And I thought it would have been the craziest game I had ever seen. And then two weeks later... The Bills it's just the anticipation, happen. and we were all we were all we're just all laughing and be like, "Oh my, is this actually is this tie actually going to happen?" And, and send the Steelers home. They weren't even trying for it. That's like the funniest part. Of it. We were talking about how they could have all just they could have just taken seven knees each, ran out the clock, and both gone to the playoffs. And then without trying, it almost happened. And I thought it was going to happen. It came down to one kick. If if Daniel Carlson doesn't make that field goal, it happens. And that would have just been absolutely insane. Neither one of those teams would have been welcome in Pittsburgh for the next decade. Absolutely. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it was only a seven out, seed. but I And mean, then we find out that the Raiders were going to take the tie, like I said. like They, they were willing to let both teams in. And then the Chargers said, you know what? No, we're gonna, I'm going to call a timeout. And then they're like, okay, well, never mind. Then you're out. I just thought that was hilarious. I love that. that was That's funny. gamesmanship. Yep. Um, but that was my favorite game of the regular season. Um, I thought it was fantastic. So let's talk about some breakout performers, uh, players this season that really took that that leap into the NFL's. Well, I would say it. number one would have to breakout performer have to be Cooper Cup. I don't think there's any question there. Um, I mean, I th- I said this earlier, but Jamar Chase, I I I didn't expect to have the rookie him to have the rookie year that he had. Um, God, I'm trying to think of disappointing players. What yeah, you- that's the next one. Also, disappointing players. You can think about it, Manit. What do you got for breakout players? Oh, I have no clue. 
Okay, I mean, I'd say Amon oh. Ra St. Brown. Shout out Amon Ra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, I would say the entire rookie wide receiver class. I don't know about that. Fantastic. Kadarius Tony. It Okay. <laughs> First Any, round pick, anything, okay, anything on the New York Giants, it just comes completely out of consideration. Kenny Galladay. What I will say, like for breakout <laughs> performers, like you saw Jamar Chase having the season that he had, Jalen Waddle setting the receptions record after a really slow start for Jalen Waddle. Devontae Smith had a great year. Talked about Amon Ross St. Brown. Just so many talents coming out of this class in terms of wide receivers. And, you know, I thought it was a really good year for them. A lot of young wide receivers really taking off. I will and, be honest. Oh, uh, D. Eskridge see... in Seattle. I know he's not a rookie. He had a really good year in Seattle. So shout out him from Western Michigan. Yeah. How could we for, how could we forget another breakout performer? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did not see Micah Parsons doing this well. I think the switch so. to edge rusher um, really helped yeah. him out, and I thought JLK was going to be the best linebacker in the class. And he was still really good. Yeah. Michael Parsons was just It's just, just insane that Michael Parsons was better. Just better. And the yeah. other defender on that team, Trevon Diggs. I mean, ah. he was in a conversation for... He still had a good year. Many, yes, he did. Regardless of whether or not whatever happened. So. This is what do you have, like eight pit? 11. Like 11, 11? I mean, that's pretty impressive. His record was 13. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, Jonathan Taylor is definitely one. Just the fact of... He probably is still a finalist for MVP. He should be, in my opinion, even though they missed the playoffs, which probably really hurts his stock. But Jonathan Taylor, absolute stud. Yep. I loved him at Wisconsin. Yep. Um, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. And, you know, he, he had a really great year for them. But you know, let's talk about some disappointing players who really just disappointed you this season. Saquon Barkley. I mean, look, I, you know, I understand he doesn't have the best O-line, but He's he's had injuries and stuff. Yeah. I just he can't think, stay healthy. I know. It's, it's I mean, so a lo- I think he's a I think he's a freak talent, but I just yeah. I mean, get him fa- out in fa- of fa- New York in fantasy Holy purposes. Moly. I still think the Browns should have taken him number one overall. But yeah, that's just me. Number one overall. I, I agree. I wanted them to take I Saquon totally thought, number one overall that year. I totally thought and they should have gone Saquon. You, cannot, wanted, you never take a running back. I wanted number them one to overall. go Saquon with Josh Allen at four. That's what I wanted them to do. They went Baker and Denzel Ward. And I love Denzel Ward. I like Denzel Ward. I would have rather taken Saquon at number one. I, I would have. I, I wanted him so bad. Yeah, I Saquon did. was generational coming out That's, of college. He's a generational running back. The difference between taking a running back that high and taking Saquon Barkley that high. I had no issues with what the Giants did. Not one. He's He was the best running back prospect we had seen since Adrian Peterson. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to agree. But, but... Maybe Zeke. Was up there. Z- no, Zeke had a decent year. Saquon was Zeke way one. higher yeah. than Zeke. I'd say it's Adrian Peterson and then Ladanian Tomlinson were the two oh, that yeah. were way LT. up there. But I have a little bias here, but Allen Robinson, the Bears oh wide receiver, God. he I was drafted Allen Robinson awful. over Cooper Cup. So did my dad. I I like I didn't expect every like every single day. Of the he's been he's been really good with the Bears in, in 2018, 2019, 2020. Over a thousand yard season almost every I think yeah every single time. And then 2021 season comes around, new quarterback. They tagged him this year too, right? They did. They That's did tag him. So sad. 17 million, and you know he, he did nothing. It just it, did, yeah. it just didn't seem like he really like tried. He's just trying to stay healthy for his new contract. He's not coming back to Chicago, so yeah, very disappointing. Cool to see him around. return to Jacksonville. That would. I would take honest. him in Cleveland. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where he's. I don't know where he's gonna go. I, I, I don't think Cleveland's gonna pay for him because he's gonna want a lot of money. Not that he definitely no like not that he necessarily deserves it, but he's gonna want a he lot does. of money. 
It, he he's shown the ability to get them with me. I don't think the Browns are going to pay that much for a receiver this year. I think they're going to go young and in the draft. But I I would love to see him in Cleveland. I think he'd be fantastic. I think the Browns need a receiver like him on their team because they just don't have that. Not even remotely close. He just needs to go to a go to a place where good quarterback play because his entire career, not just in the NFL, he's had Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, and Trubisky <laughs> slash rookie Justin Fields as their quarterbacks. So I mean. That's not, not great. Really great. Hey, yeah. college Christian Hackenberg. I'm kidding. Who am I kidding? He wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember watching because I mean, like obviously we're a Big Ten school, and you know I watched a lot of Christian Hackenberg in college. He was not. He good. wasn't that bad, but he wasn't that good either. He was supposed uh, to be like a great prospect too coming in. He was like he the was, number one quarterback yeah. in his class when he went to Penn State. Dude was supposed to be nuts yeah. and just completely flopped. Yeah. But it that happens, you know, not that it shows that there is never any such thing as a sure thing in this league or in college when it comes to it doesn't matter how many stars you are, you're not a sure thing. And then especially when you get to the pros, there's that's why I even said it like with Trevor Lawrence last year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be great, but there is no such thing as a sure thing. Never in this league. I mean, as for me, disappointing player, I've been trying to sit here and just think for the last few minutes. I've been like, all right, who like really disappointed me this season? Like player wise and I think I would just have to say Sam Darnold yeah um, he yeah he was he started off really well and they were three and oh and everyone was kind of feeling yeah, they extended him. I was too they extended him too and he was playing really well and then he just falls off a cliff um give him an off season. we'll see I just Maybe. oh I, they're gonna have to run it back they, they hate to. him but I just think it's just man Sam Darnold man it's just you were, he was supposed to be the guy in that draft. You talk about Barkley and all those players. Everyone wanted to the Browns should take Sam Darnold. He's a slam dunk. I never once wanted Sam Darnold. The two quarterbacks that I wanted the most in that draft were Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. I wanted one of the two. We actually got one. But I just, just – Sam Darnold has severe turnover issues, and that is something you can't just coach out of a player. It doesn't happen. When they have turnover issues, they don't go away. And he has that, whether it's interceptions, fumbles – Whatever it may be, he he needs to he needs to figure that out. I don't know what it is, but he really disappointed me this year. I thought he was going to do pretty well in Carolina and started off looking really good, then just didn't. So let's talk about teams all together. What's your most surprising team of the season? And I, there's an obvious answer, but you know I'd like to see maybe. I mean, there's no I don't think there's any question here. The Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what Bungles. they what they were able to do going four four and twelve. To go to the Super Bowl, I mean that—that's nuts. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, and then I would say another one would have to be. Uh, I mean, maybe the maybe the Raiders. I mean, what they what they were able to do by firing Gruden, to go into the playoffs under Rich Pistachio was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, so I'd say Raiders and Bengals. Are my, my two most surprising teams of the season? Yeah, sure. I really, really, really thought that the Steelers were gonna be bad. Um, honestly, Mike I did Tomlin not see them team, going anywhere yeah. with Big Ben coming back, and they did pretty good. Um, so props to them on that. I had the Steelers up there for surprising. New Orleans did a good job with what they had. Absolutely, losing Jameis halfway through, finishing pretty much on the playoff line. It's going to suck without Sean Payton, though. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. San Francisco, 
But San Francisco, we know San Francisco. What they're like a known commodity at this point. Yeah. Besides, for me, like besides Cincinnati, who I think we can all agree is probably the most surprising team of the year, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Uh, I wrote them off. I thought they were going to be horrible. I thought at most they were going to get four wins. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Their coach just didn't seem very professional. I wasn't sold on Jalen Hurts for an entire season, and they found their identity: defense and running the ball. And they were able to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, they got waxed by the Buccaneers in the first round. But, like, the fact that that team made the playoffs to me is incredible. I think, you know, Sirianni did a really great job in his first year. You know, Jalen Hurts has now, you know, proven that he can do it in this league. I still want to see him a little bit more as a passer, especially a pocket passer. He'll grow. Um, and he'll, he'll grow. They he's a got, this he's got time. Too. They need more weapons besides Devontae Smith, who we mentioned, had a really great year. Dallas Goddard had a really good year. But Jalen Rager has been such a flop that you need to find something else besides Jalen Rager and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So I, I totally agree in that realm and miles sanders needs to stay healthy okay, they have three firsts they have I mean, a lot of things that they need to they take can, care of but they have the they capital have, to they do have whatever the they room want room to make it work exactly they could even trade up and get whoever they wanted on the defensive side if they chose to do that too or but i i, I really am i was really surprised to see the eagles there because like i said i thought they were easily going to be the worst team in that division the eagles have a really good looking at it they have a really good situation going into the offseason yeah so yeah and I mean, I would say another surprising team, just, you know, you're right. I mean, the Steelers are up there. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to actually just go through the playoff teams again, trying to, like, remember. I'd say Tennessee, uh, just because, yeah, t- they lost in the first round of the playoffs. But the fact that that team got the one seed without Derrick Henry to me, you lose him halfway through the season. I just, I think that was. One of the more surprising things we saw all year was that the fact that the Tennessee Titans of all teams, like we talked about the Bills potentially getting the one seed, the Browns potentially getting the one seed, the Ravens potentially getting the one seed. No one thought the Tennessee Titans were going to get the one seed this year. And they just go out there and they get wins when they needed them and they end up getting the one seed and their season didn't end the way that they wanted it. But in the end, I think they have to be very happy with how the season went, you know, getting that one seed and finally taking it away from Kansas City. So... I'd say those are my most surprising teams, but how about let's do some disappointing teams. Arizona. I've said this a lot, but I really did not like how they ended the season. Um, I do not like how Cliff Kingsbury ends his seasons in general. So I think that's that trend is just bad. Ah, uh, man. Probably. Especially after, like, we had them, we consensusly labeled them as a Super Bowl favorite. Midway through, they were. They were like, yeah, nine and yeah. like as point. a podcast, we agreed on it too. We were yeah. like, they're really good, and which is why to me, like, they fall into both categories: surprising and disappointing. But at at the like, I I think it's, it's just, just so much more disappointing because they were thought to be that team, and but they weren't supposed to be. A lot of people picked them to finish fourth in the NFC West. Yeah. So I mean, at the same time, like they they were surprising. They. They started they surprising, off surprising and then ended, ended up disappointing, disappointing, which is the same. Which they fall into both categories. How would it just depends on whether you're kind of a glass half empty or glass half full type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I agree. I think the Cardinals are up there, but the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, with Russell Wilson as your quarterback, I I know he was hurt, and you know they had a really bad defense this year. See, I don't think he came back 100 percent either. I think he forced it. Honestly, yeah, I agree. I mean, we we were seeing the videos of him working out and stuff like. Like you're trying to you know, rehab from his thumb injury, 
I mean, yeah, I think it came back a little too soon. But, you know, if Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt, you know, I think it's tough. I mean, I think they, they could have been a, a, maybe a wild card team, maybe a seven or six seed. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd put the Seahawks up there. And then, uh, I mean, what are some other, like, teams that? Probably the Ravens. I mean, I know they had a ton of injuries, but they were eight and three. They were eight and three, and, and they, they eight and nine. Wow, I mean that's nuts. Yeah, they I put I, I definitely put the Ravens up there, and then honestly, sorry, Michael, the Cleveland Browns. I think the Absolutely. Ravens were also in that surprising but disappointing category, just because yeah. they started. They off were so eight well and three, and, and yeah. they ended eight and nine. Can, yeah, I mean, they also had a wrath of injuries oh, yeah. into no, the year, they... so. The way they started off was great. I think losing Lamar obviously hurts, um, but Tyler Huntley played pretty well, and missing out on the playoffs was definitely a disappointment for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. So, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned the Browns, and they're absolutely yeah. up there. Um, honestly, they're my most disappointing team of the season, bias or no bias. It, it's 100% them. Uh, and I'll talk about them a little bit more in our next little topic, but they definitely were just – that was – it was unbelievably disappointing of how a team with that many expectations and rightfully having those expectations on them to play like that. Yeah, so they almost beat the Chiefs last year. They um, almost beat them week one. Beat, beat I, like the Steelers. I said, for anyone that says the Browns didn't deserve to have the expectations that they did, they're lying to themselves. They absolutely deserve to have those expectations on them, and they just failed to meet them. And I just, I, I you know, I'm, I'm just ready for next year. But yeah. to me, the most disappointing, even more disappointing than them is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um yeah. To have Justin Herbert to be four and one and then to miss the playoffs. That's absolutely just it's unacceptable. And Brandon Staley has to shoulder a lot of blame for it. Not just with his decisions and his aggressive nature of going for it on fourth down almost every time, but you are a defensive guy. You were the defensive coordinator of one of the best defenses in the league last year in the Rams, and your defense couldn't stop anybody on the ground. It it just they they couldn't stop the run. And you can't win any – you're not going to make the playoffs or win a Super Bowl if you cannot stop the run. And so I think for them it's – you have Justin Herbert, and now two years of his career are gone. And this year he should have been in the playoffs. He absolutely 100% should have been, and he wasn't because you failed to meet that bar. And so to me they have to be right up there among the most disappointing teams. I mean, they started 4-1, and one, guys. 4-1. and one, Yeah. And they went 9-8 and eight and missed the playoffs. So. With all that talent too, I mean, especially on the defense side, Joey Bosa and um, Derwin James, you know, all those guys. The whole year. Uh, but Chris Harris too. They have some really young linebackers that I really like. They have, uh, uh, gosh, what's his name from uh, Oklahoma? Was it? Um, oh, Kenneth Mur- Kenneth Murray. Yeah, the linebacker. I really like him a lot. Yeah. they have Perriman too. I just a lot of those. They have a really great young defense, and yet they just didn't show up. Not even at all. And like I said, as a defensive guy, you have to take some of that blame, Brandon Staley. You just do. Yeah. So now I just kind of want to go around for each of us. And we all have, you know, our different favorite teams, the teams that we are closest to, the teams that we know the most about. And just give your, I'd say, brief observations about them in well, terms of the season as a whole. Very disappointing. Uh, Matt Nagy did not do Justin Fields any favors whatsoever. Uh, the coaching staff as a whole was horrendous. I actually, I really liked Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator for the Bears, but yeah, I mean, Matt, Matt, the story of the season was just the Matt Nagy incompetency, um, especially 
on the offensive side of the ball, just being incompetent again and again and being almost like ranking the bottom of the league in almost every offensive category. And the defense, you regressed. You know, 2020 start was the start of the regression. You know, we, we go back to 2018 where they had a record-setting. The Bears' defense had a record-setting year. Mm-hmm. And fast-forward four years later, and to have that defensive performance wasn't very good. But, you know, moving on to 2022, we got Ryan Poles as our GM. Uh, Matty Rufus is the new head coach. I think there's some hope throughout the organization. I, I, I still think there's a lot of talent on this team. Khalil Mack. Uh Justin Fields, uh, David Montgomery, and you know, got to fix the offensive line. I think that's very important. But Justin Fields' development is number one, so we'll have to see. Um, How about those Lions, Manny? Overall, I was honestly impressed by the season. I expected them to go winless and ending with three wins over Arizona, Minnesota, and Green Bay. is nothing to be scoffed at, so I think – and like the Arizona win was really that was a big win. That was, yeah. I that I, was. I would say the words I want to, but I can't. Um, it was a really phenomenal game, and I think that it just kind of showed like what this team can do when they have a roster, like a full NFL roster. I think I think they play. found a head coach. So, I think yeah. yeah, and I we talked about midseason Dan Campbell. We honestly openly discussed it, and I did say that I did not think Dan Campbell was the man for the job, like, long-term, yeah. and I totally think he is. I completely, like, have backtracked on that. Um, I think he was the right guy to set, develop this team and set them up for the future. I didn't know if he was a Super Bowl-winning coach, but I totally think he is, given the second half of the season. I think he can motivate a team enough and get them together enough when it matters and whenever the playoffs happen, if they happen, I think he will be prepared for that. Um, so I think good good future setup. I like, you know, that we're coaching the Senior Bowl. That's huge. Getting to, like, give these prospects tips, make them look better to other teams, but also see them up close and figure out which ones we actually want to target is really helpful. Um, but overall, I think... You know, answered some questions. Amon Ra, you can keep going forward. You know, you have a good backfield duo with Williams and Swift. As long as one of them can stay healthy, you can consistently produce out of that backfield. I expect Brad Holmes to take a running back this offseason because he does. Um, he did last year. He did six out of the eight years with the Rams. He collects them. Yeah, he, yeah so he, he loves his running backs. He knows which ones it's to like scout. like Kevin Stefanski with the tight ends. There's good running backs in mobile that they can get. Mm-hmm. good looks on so i'm excited for that um i also think that they found out their quarterback picture i don't think it's going to be jared goff and i think they know that they knew that they knew that when they traded for him. Yeah. yeah and that extension that they gave him you know i think they could be aggressive and try and get a quarterback but i don't think do you think they get one this year I maybe I would really I would wait. I, see if I were them I would wait a year I would wait for I, Young and Stroud I would hope so too um if not I hope they go Pickett or Corral because I don't think any of the other quarterbacks are as ready um and have as high ceilings either I think Malik Willis the buzz is that scares me like genuinely scares me Malik Willis the Detroit buzz hey he had a great uh bowl game against Eastern <laughs> Michigan. Yeah, I I a don't team know. That probably should like, not have been in a bowl game. I just don't like 
think I think he relies too much on risk, and that's gonna burn him. We'll talk about him more later down the line. Yeah, but, of course. Um, I think that if they go Willis, it'll be bad, and I'm ready for more years of pain. I that thing with the Lions. Just my quick thoughts before I'll talk about the Browns a little bit, but if you can't build a team around a quarterback if you don't have a team around him. And so yep. like it's you saw it with Trevor Lawrence. Like And if, I think it's really if good. If the team that... around him is horrible, he's not gonna succeed, which is why I think the Lions are on the right track. They're getting, totally trying to getting, build that team up first. Getting Panay Sewell was huge. I don't think they could believe that he was there. And from they, what I heard, they ran they, that pick up to the They did. They I And I loved that pick They for were them. super excited that he fell. They told Micah Parsons before the draft that they were going to take him, and then Panay Sewell Tool was, was there, available. And they were like, oh, my God. And I think Michael Parsons would have been a great pick for Michael them, Parsons too. Michael Parsons would have been phenomenal. But you need to build up the team around it before you insert that quarterback in there, and I think they're on the right track doing it. Like I said, you build with bigs up front. Panay Sewell, great pick. Their offensive line is one of the strongest and, and in the NFL. You it's know, very, very good. I think the communication within the staff is really good. I think they're all on the same page, which is super important. There's a buy-in from every single one of those coaches to mm-hmm. Campbell and to the front office, and... Um, what was it? Aaron Glenn. If he stays, yeah. I hope. Which he, I think he is going to. I hope so. Um, he definitely. I think we need another year and then re-enter the cycle. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I like the way the Lions are going. I like Dan Campbell from the jump. I remember him him when he was an interim head coach. I remember when the Browns actually interviewed him for their head coaching job a long time ago in one of their many um coaching transitions. But yeah. I I really liked him. I thought. He's the perfect guy. He's what this team needs right now. They just need someone to believe in, you know? Like yeah. Just, and so that, that, it was exactly not, what I wanted. I wanted not, a locker room guy. I not thought, only that someone believes in, but someone who believes in them. Yeah, I thought that, you know, going off the turns of where we, like, turned to defensive or offensive coaches and never really established a locker room guy, Campbell was a perfect hire in that sense because he really established, a like, a culture in that locker room from day one, it seems like. Yeah. So now I'll turn over and I'll talk about the Browns here. I'll, I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. Cause like I already said, I, I think they're my most disappointing team this season. They really, um, they just didn't live up to what they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. I believe they, they should have been Super Bowl contenders and they just simply weren't. Um, and to me, that's what makes the whole Bengals thing hurt more is the fact that I believe the Cincinnati Bengals are exactly who the Cleveland Browns were supposed to be. That is, I mean, literally, the teams are very, very similar. Um, that is exactly who the Browns were supposed to be this year, and instead it's our division rivals doing it. And that's what I think what makes it sting a little bit more. But the Browns did have their fair share of injuries this season. They, Baker Mayfield gets hurt week two, trying to make a tackle, tears his labrum. He just had surgery a couple weeks ago. Get well soon, Baker. Um, and Kareem Hunt, missing almost half the season was huge. Kareem Hunt, to me, is the most pivotal piece of that entire offense. He's He really makes this offense go with his versatility to be able to run the ball when Nick Chubb needs a break, his receiving, everything that he does. When he wasn't in the lineup, the Browns offense couldn't move the ball. But then every time Kareem Hunt would play, the Browns offense looked really, really good. And I don't think that's a coincidence. He's a big part of this team. I'm glad he's under contract for the next couple seasons because the Browns certainly need him. I just hope that he can stay healthy. Obviously, Nick Chubb, another tremendous year. He's going to the Pro Bowl. You had Miles Garrett going to the Pro Bowl. Denzel Ward going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Wyatt Teller going to the Pro Bowl. Browns locked up both of their two guards. My opinion, they're the two best guards in all of football. They have both of them. And then, I mean, offensive line is fine. Bill Callahan staying. It's huge. He was 
There's talks he's going to go take the Bears' offensive line job. him really badly. And he's going to stay with the Browns, which I love. They need that. But, I mean, overall, the question's going to come down to quarterback and receiver. That's the one thing that's separating the Browns right now from the elite teams in the AFC. And I think quarterback, you're not going to get a better one than Baker next year. Baker's going to get healthy. I think he's going to be okay. You know, he'll bounce back next season. People forget how good he was when he was healthy in the last 10 games last season, in the first two games of this season before he hurt his shoulder. He was, he, last year, in the last 10 games, he was a top three statistical quarterback in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. So I think he's he's right there. I think he'll be fine. But the Browns need, their biggest need this offseason is perimeter weapons. They need wide receivers. And for anyone that wants to say, you know, oh, you know, they had Odell Beckham Jr., it, you're right, they did. He wasn't the right fit for this team. He just he never wanted to be here. You're finding we're finding out more and more about that. He asked for a trade immediately once he got here. It's just one of those things. He was never a good fit for this team. They need a guy who's going to buy into the system. That's going to buy into what the Browns want to do. I think they're going to go young. I absolutely think they're taking a wide receiver in the first round. I think it's the worst kept secret in the draft. Everyone knows the Browns want one. I think they want Garrett Wilson. I would love Garrett Wilson. We'll see kind of how that goes, obviously, as we get closer to the draft. But the Browns got to get more speed on offense. They need more playmakers. They need to find their version of a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, a go-to guy that they can that Baker can throw the ball to. Because right now he just doesn't have that. I mean, if anyone watched the Steelers game on Monday night, oh, I did. It was Baker had no one to throw to almost all night long. Nobody was getting open. Peoples Jones, very solid receiver. Can't beat man coverage. Rashard Higgins can't beat man coverage. Jarvis Landry is a slot guy. He's a possession guy. He'll run a nine-yard route when you need eight yards. But he's nothing special. And not having Kareem Hunt in that game was huge. Like I said, I think Kareem Hunt is the most important piece to this entire offense. He is what makes them go. And not having him almost the entire season just absolutely killed this team. You know, Chubb will be fine. He's now We've locked him up. He's under contract. But getting receivers this offseason is absolutely huge. And defensive line, oh my gosh. Defensive tackle this season was horrible for Cleveland. So If Devontae Adams is a free agent, I think the Browns should go all in on him. Right? I, I would love that. He's the one I think I would overpay for. He's um, worth the overpay. Obviously. Even if he wants $30 million, he's worth him. more money but than that. Honestly. I, will, I will say, like, I he's going to get tagged by Green Bay. But I would, I mean... Overall, I think they're going to go young. They're going to go for speed. They're going to do exactly what they did with Anthony Schwartz, who I still believe in. I think Anthony Schwartz has a lot of potential in him. He's fast, and you can coach. You can coach fast. So I, I really like him. But I think they're going to draft a lot of guys with just speed and guys who they know they can beat man coverage because simply they're faster than you. And that's Garrett Wilson, and that's Traylon Burks, and Chris Olave to an extent. You know, guys who they can trust to beat man coverage and be consistent. I think they're going to take two, if not three, receivers in this draft. They're going to stock up, and they're going to come back next year with tempered expectations, but still the expectations that this is a team that can win the division. They did sweep the Bengals this season, including a 41-16 to thumping in Cincinnati. So they can compete with anybody. They just have to, you know, find the way to do it in their potential. So that's all of my takes there on the Browns. Um, we'll skip these next two topics that I had on the um, – agenda because I want to talk about something else but right before we get to that let's do a quick pick them update there is no pick them this week obviously we're not going to pick the Pro Bowl or anything that'd be kind of stupid um, but Manit 25 points another 
He had nine points last week. No, six. Six points last week. What am I talking about? I also had six points last week, so I've moved into second place with ten points. Jay, you got three points uh, because wow. you, you did hit on your confidence pick, so that got you three points. You're up to nine. Owen, I think he evened out, but he's still at six. He's I had a, I think I had Niners plus three and a half, right? I did. Yeah. No, you had the Bengals seven and a half. Oh, I did. I had the Niners three and a half. I picked the Niners plus three and a half on the Green Wire Report, and that did hit too. So. I had the Niners three and a half, which they did cover, so I got three points there. Um, but I am 15 down a minute, so technically I can still win. It's going to be very difficult, though. And I'd have to pick against Manit, which, again, I don't know if I want to do that. I like making yeah. you know, I like making my pick. But last week, I just took the Bengals just out of pure spite, and it worked out. So the last thing I want to do before we wrap up this show here today, uh, and I almost actually forgot to add it. I'm glad I remember during the show. But in the past few weeks, we've said goodbye to two legends in the NFL. Not that they're, like, you know, gone forever or anything. They'll still be a major part of the game. But Ben Roethlisberger retired at season's end a few days after the season ended for the Steelers. He officially announced his retirement. And then just a couple days ago, Tom Brady officially announced his retirement from the NFL after 22 seasons. Wow. 10 Super Bowl appearances, 7 Super Bowl wins, and he's the all-time leader in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completions, I believe. So well, I I would say what a career for Tom Brady is an is an understatement. I mean, what he did for what he did for the game. Uh, to be honest, I'm kind of glad he's retired. I mean, it's time to move on to the next generation of quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's great and all. Uh, I mean, the numbers the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, first in almost every category, he is the goat for a reason. Seven Super Bowl rings. I mean, what else can you say? And then as far as for Big Ben, great career. Um, two Super Bowl rings. Uh, I I think I would say something, a word I would say for Big Ben is very tough. And, you know, he had a ton of injuries. Um, there's a reason why they say he's in a walking boot for a reason. It's because he he took a lot of hits and he was able to still play. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Brady kind of summed it up in the, it, the best in his retirement tweet for Ben. Ben was like the definition of throw some ice on it and play. And he was. To an extent, I mean, Ben just fought through everything, and it was pretty impressive to see. Um, even when, like, honestly, he shouldn't have been playing towards the end of his career. Yeah, like, he played a couple years too long. Yeah, you see, they're two opposites in my opinion because, like, you could argue Ben played maybe a couple years too long, too long. and you can argue that Brady's left a couple years on the table. Yep. Maybe so it's kind of one of those things that, you know, but you know. We're all, as the line goes for Moneyball, we're all told at some point in your life, you're told that you can no longer play a kid's game anymore. And, you know, Ben was told that whatever it was, 40 years old, and he wanted to keep playing, and Brady's now told at 43. So, because, no, 44. He's 44, 44. now. Um, but whatever. Eventually, they got there. They were told that it's time to stop playing the game, and they both shut it down. And like we said, maybe Ben played a couple years too long. Brady might be retiring a couple years too early. But... Overall, you know, I'll let you finish your point, Manny. Yeah, I mean, it's it was just great to watch them both play over the course of their careers. Brady is one of the first first quarterbacks I remember watching, and Ben is up there too. And honestly, like just growing up watching them play, seeing this er- like era of quarterback we watch grow we watched growing up is kind of sad to see go- retire 
Rodgers mm-hmm. will be the last one of that generation. Rodgers is the last one standing. Yeah. Really, like, of the... I mean, yeah. he was, like, still, yeah. like, five years of drafted after everybody, but mm-hmm. he, we include him there. Um, and, yeah, it'll be sad when Rodgers steps away. It might even be this offseason, honestly. There's Depend- a there's a I would there's say there's a, there's, a chance, but he says like it's not going to happen. Chance. I doubt it. He says it's I, not going to happen. I definitely believe he wants to play football again, but yeah. if he does, I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be surprising. I think the highlight of Ben's career for me was the pass in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals. Oh my gosh, that was the Santonio Holmes. Yeah. That was the best pass I think I've seen from him in his career. That would be the best throw and catch in Super Bowl history, if not for the David Tyree catch from Eli Manning. That would, I mean, that passes Antonio Holmes. The fact that, I mean, the throw was perfect, and then the fact that Holmes made that catch with two feet down is just remarkable. Yeah. Antonio Holmes, I'll say it as a Browns fan, I I do not like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but after that play, Antonio Holmes became one of my favorite players in the NFL. Absolutely love Antonio Holmes. Uh, he was also an Ohio State player, um, but he was at the Pro Bowl Skills Competition yesterday. Pretty cool. Yeah. Antonio Holmes, I love Antonio Holmes. I I really did. Um, but yeah, for me, Ben, good riddance. Yeah, get out of my life, please. Wow. <laughs> Too much torment. Jeez. He beat the Browns 23 times in his career. <laughs> Owen won it. He never beat him in the playoffs, though. But I, you know, you guys summed it up very well about Ben. You know, he was Pittsburgh personified. That blue-collar town of, you know, yeah. having to work for everything that you have, being hardworking and it's not flashy, you know, it's a it's just kind of a, your old fashioned kind of a gritty city and Ben grew up in, you know, Ohio and it just he fits Pittsburgh. That's that's who he was. It was he was meant to be in Cleveland or Pittsburgh. And it happened to be Pittsburgh. The Browns actually passed on him in that draft. True story. But the um he just he was Pittsburgh personified and there's no other team you could even imagine Ben Roethlisberger playing for. It was just he was a Steeler, and that's who he was. And two Super Bowl wins. He's definitely going out. If I mean, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Think about it. In in five years, both of these guys are going to be going into the Hall of Fame on the same day. That is going to be absolutely fantastic. Wow. And then as for Brady, um, I mean, look, I never really liked Tom Brady. Always, he's just. I mean, I don't really know if anyone did, except for like Patriot fans or whatever. But. I've warmed up to him. At the I've end respected of his him so yeah. much, just with how good he played and just the way he approached the game and how he mentally prepared for the game every single week. It was just kind of one of those things that I always kind of admired. It's very similar to kind of like Kobe did, and but I kind of my first takeaway when he retired was like, this is going to be really weird for me because I've never known an NFL without Tom Brady. His first year in the league was like the year before I was born, and so like. I've literally never known a league without Tom Brady in it. And it's going to be very similar to me than like when LeBron retires and not knowing an NBA without him. Like it's just kind of one of those milestone moments where it's like, you remember where you were when he said he retired and like he's going to, he's, he won't be playing ever again. And it's just kind of one of those things that it, it's really surreal to think about now because you're not really thinking about it. And we just got a Super Bowl to prepare for and all that. But like next season, week one, Tom Brady's not playing. Like that's, that's going to be really no, weird. It's, it's, it's going to take probably a couple seasons to get used to. But shout out both of them. All-time great careers. Um, like I said, in five years, I will see them both in Canton. I go to the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony almost every year. And that will definitely be one that I will be making sure that I get to. No matter how I get there, it's going to just be a tremendous night. So shout out both of them. You're 
your road will end in Canton here in a few years, and you'll go down as two of the greatest to ever play this game. So with that, we will end the pile on here for this week season recap. Next week, we'll be back with a full Super Bowl preview. Like I mentioned, breaking down all the teams, all the storylines, make our picks, do everything for Super Bowl 56. Thank you all for listening if you've made it this far. As for your host, Michael Markoch, alongside Manit Patel and Jada Coster, that is it for the pile on this week. We'll see you all next week.